we need to recognize the haircuts of people. There is no good deed that's done that we should not recognize. We should shout every good deed from the rooftop. We should recognize people. We should make them feel good about what they do. Hello, and welcome to the Modern Hotel. You're presented by Stay Flexi, your all-in-one modern operating system for independent hotels. Each episode, we'll get to know an industry expert, and we'll discuss the latest trends in hospitality to help you, the modern hotelier. Welcome to the Modern Hotelier presented by Stay Flexi. I'm your host, David Malilli. And I'm Steve Karen. Steve, who do we have on the program today? Yeah, David. Today we have on Dr. Jeffrey O. Jeffrey is a global renowned CEO, educator, leadership coach, motivational speaker, and even an author. He's been recognized as one of the most famous and influential leaders in the world of global hospitality. Currently, Jeffrey is the CEO at St. Justine Hotels and Residences. In addition, he also serves as a president of the International Hospitality Institute, where he oversees global operations. Jeffrey has published several books of fiction and nonfiction, including Dead or Alive, an action-packed thriller. Welcome to the Modern Hotelier, Jeffrey. We're happy to have you. Steve, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, your kind introduction. Thank you. That's uh, that's quite a bit, but thank you very, very much. I <laughs> appreciate it. And also, David, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, welcome, Jeffrey. So our format, the format of The Modern Hotelier, what we're going to do is ask you some personal questions just so that the audience can get to know you a little bit better. We'll then blend that into some personal questions in your career, your current company, and things that you're working on. And then we'll end with industry topics and trends and, and get your input there. Sound good? Absolutely. Okay, so what was your first job? My first job was uh, as a front desk agent in a hotel in Baltimore years and years ago. I worked for a Marriott property on uh, Pride Street as a front desk agent, and uh, it was a fun experience. I liked it so much, I decided to stick around. And here I am, I still in the industry many, many years later. What's the weirdest thing you've seen in a hotel? Oh, I've seen all kinds of things. I, I don't know that even <laughs> everybody said, everyone says it could be a whole show on that, but we're asking it anyway. Enough time, but I've seen all kinds of things. I had a gentleman who was quite uh, upset checking. He wasn't very happy, and he decided to, uh, you know, relieve himself at uh, the front desk. And uh, he was really upset, and I guess he drank a little bit too much. And he decided to just uh, let fly at uh, at the front desk, and it was quite quite uh, surprising and really stunning. Well, so that's only one of many. There have been a lot of experiences. <laughs> one day, I think I'm actually going to write a book about the hotel industry. So I'm toying with that idea. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be quite uh, interesting, I'm sure. <laughs> I agree. So what would you be doing if you weren't in hospitality? If that wasn't your full-time? I'll probably be writing books full-time. I love to read. I love to write. I've got a ton of books in my home library. I've got, I just love books. That's my passion. So if I wasn't fully in the industry, I'd probably be writing uh, full-time. Great. Uh, if you could trade places with someone for a day, who would it be? That's a very interesting question. I've never talked about that. Who would it be? Someone living or someone, well, it has to be someone living, right? Yeah. Who would it be? If you wanted to go back in time, I'll let you go back in time. Who if you would want. it be? I, I really, I have to, I, I struggle with that one. I have never considered that. I've never considered that. I, I don't know the answer to that. That's something I'm going to have to really think about. I don't want to just All tell right. you anything that pops into my head, but I have to just, think about that. After the show, you can, when you figure it out, yeah. you, can, you can text okay, yeah, so. is there a <laughs> Is there a secret talent that you have that no, nobody knows or most people don't know? I don't think so. I, I you know, I don't, I'm not as uh, smart as people think I am. I don't have a lot of talents. I'm good at just a few things, a few things. My wife would, would tell you. And, uh, you know, I love to run, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you know, I love to run long distance. I've done the marathon and all of that. I would not call that a talent, you know, so... 
So I think right. that's about it. I mean, I, I dabbled in singing years and years ago, and I actually, you know, was part of a group years and years ago when, oh. I, was, when I was younger. So I don't know again. Secret. I don't know if I was talented when I was doing it, but you know, I did <laughs> give it a shot. So. Can we ask what the group was called? Well, it's called ABC. ABC. It not, yeah, it never went anywhere. It was just some, you know, youthful, uh, you know, adventure, if you will. So I awesome. got it out of That's my funny. system at some point pretty quickly. <laughs> what What's on your bucket list? My bucket list, I've got quite a few things I want to do. I want to be able to make a dent in the universe. I, I you know, to reference, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, I want to be able to do things that impact humanity, that do, you know, that change the world. And obviously I love to travel like a lot of people, but I want to be able to help things like building an orphanage in, in, in a country that, that needs that, helping those who are struggling, who need help, you know, in education, health, all kinds of things. I'm already involved in charity work and I, I you know, Parts of uh, a few organizations that, that do such things, but I want to be able to do them on a larger scale. I want to be able to give back. I've been incredibly blessed. And I think our mission in life is to improve other people's lives. Our mission is to rescue others in any way that we possibly can. And uh, I always yeah. talk about uh, my favorite quote by an American educator, Horace Mann. And I think we're all familiar with the quote, at least quite a few people are familiar with the quote, where he talks about you should be ashamed to die unless you've done something good for humanity. You know, it's a quote that resonates with me. You know, how about the impact that we make on the world that we live in? We cannot just be biological beings who are interested in making money and eating and drinking and doing all kinds of things. We have to have an impact on the people around us. We have to be able to make our world a better place. And I want to be able to contribute in any way that I possibly can. If it's true, helping people get education in countries that really require that, that people are struggling if it's helping people get access to food, you've got a lot of food insecurity in the world that we live in today. If it's helping people with Medicare, just helping any way that I possibly can with medical care. So I want to make an impact. I want to leave a legacy. I want to help people. And, and I've got quite a few things I want to do, but that's, for me, that's something that drives me. It gets me out of bed on a daily basis to want to make a difference. So not live a life that has no meaning. In my opinion, right. when you live a life where you haven't touched anyone else, you've lived a life that has no meaning. You only live for yourself. I want to live a life that has meaning and build a legacy. And that's so critically important to me. That's great. I agree. But do you have a favorite movie, a go-to movie? I've got so many great movies that I love. Oh, my God. Where do I even start? I've seen so many over the years. I, I Give I, us one. I can't <laughs> possibly name one movie. I'll have to name five or six. I've got so many. And... Uh, I could name several, right? But it, it's tough. I saw City of God, which is filmed in Brazil. I thought that was a great movie. It was brilliantly done. I've written, written movie scripts in addition to writing, you know, writing books. So when I see a story that really resonates with me, you know, gets my attention. I'm currently watching one on Amazon called uh, Protégé. And it's got uh, a few really good, uh, you know, actresses and actors in it. I actually started watching it two nights ago on Amazon. Very, very good. It's got Samuel Jackson. It's got... Uh, a few other folks in a great, great movie. There have been so many. I saw Zero Dark Thirty, which I thought was great. I saw uh, the first movie that really struck me by Billy Bob Turnton, Sling, Sling Blade. I thought that was a classic. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. I mean, I could we could spend the entire entire you know show talking about movies. And then I've got <laughs> shows that I really, really like. Of course, you've got Game of Thrones. You've got uh, oh, yes. Game okay. of Thrones. You've got uh, what's this other one uh, from the UK? I can't remember. But it's so many, it's so many great movies out there and, and series and all of that. So it's just, it's a long list. 
If you could have a superpower, what would it be? The power to make people a better version of themselves. <laughs> where you just, touch, you just touch someone. We all have things that we want to be, right? I want to be better than I am as a human being. There are a lot of things I'm working on. I, you know, I'm a work in progress, right? So, but if, if I had the power to just touch someone and have them transform into a better version of themselves, the aspirational them that they want to be, I really want to be that person. I would love to have such a power. Just touch them. Boom. Just like that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And this will be the last one in this portion. Give, give us one word that best describes you. Passionate. Passion. Everything that I do, I'm driven by passion. Anyone who's ever met me would tell you that I'm just a bundle of passion. That's how I've always been. And uh, that's that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Jeffrey, that was great. Now I kind of want to learn a little bit more about you, your background, kind of how you you know got here. Where did you grow up? I grew up, I uh, was actually born in Nigeria and uh, I moved to the U.S. many, many years ago and I uh, came to the U.S. to attend uh, school. And I uh, ended up just sticking around. I, you know, I've been here ever since. So I started out, uh, interestingly enough, not in the hospitality industry. I studied political science as my first degree. I wanted to be a politician. I actually wanted to run for office at, at a high level. And that was my wow. plan back then. I said, you know, I'm going to be in politics. I'm going to do, you know, things, running for Senate and running for, you know, all, you know, all kinds of things, governor and all of that. So. I studied political science because I'm fascinated with, with all of that. And uh, so then I decided at some point I needed to work, right? Just like most of us. So I went and got a job and I was hired as a front desk agent at the property that I had in, in Baltimore, a married property. And I took the job, loved it, fell in love with the job. And I said, you know, I think I'm actually good at this. You know, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I found the one thing that I think I was fairly good at, and that's dealing with people, interacting with people. I've right. never met a stranger. Everyone that I meet, you know, I meet people. I look, I love people. I love talking to people, interacting with people. And I just fell into that uh, career in hospitality and trajectory turned out to be very favorable for me. I went from being a front desk agent to becoming uh, at some point a front desk manager, a night audit manager, front office manager, assistant general manager, GM, and then onto the corporate world and uh, a CEO of a couple of uh, companies, a CEO, and then on and on and on. So. I've just been very blessed and the career has been remarkable for me. I love the industry and I can't imagine possibly doing anything else other than this. That's awesome. That's awesome. How did growing up in Nigeria shape you into who you are today? I think it gave me a drive. A drive is just a drive to never quit. You know, obviously the country is vastly different from the U.S. You've got a country that's very blessed with natural resources, but it's also had its fair share of issues in some ways. You've got people who are super, super smart, highly educated. I think in looking at the numbers, you've got, I think Nigerians, in, in terms of looking Ivy League, if you look at Ivy League colleges and even uh, the percentage of you know people you know by graduate degrees in the US, you're going to find that Nigerians are easily right up there. If not at the top of the list, certainly very close to being on the top. So you've got a country that places a high premium on education where people want to educate themselves, people want to better themselves. People are very driven. They want to improve their economic situation. And I think I left with those lessons of wanting to achieve, wanting to make a difference, wanting to tap into my what I perceived as my potential, never quitting, never quitting. And it taught me, you know, being born in Nigeria taught me to never quit. And to have this sense of optimism that's almost, it's not reckless, but it's just not, 
this is sense of exuberance that I have about life, about things, about the possibilities of life, about what can be achieved. And I don't see things in terms of challenges and obstacles. I always see an obstacle as something that is just temporary, something that I just have to find a way to either leapfrog or get around. And that's my mindset. And I never quit. It doesn't matter what life throws at me. I never quit. And I think that's a lesson I learned from growing up. That's awesome. I love that. Jeffrey, you're on the board of directors for Hope for Three Autism Advocates. My youngest son is autistic, nonverbal. Can you tell us about some of the work that that you do with him? Yeah, I have have not been involved, frankly, with uh, Hope for for Three uh, since I left Houston. I used to live in Houston. I don't know if you know that. And back then, I managed a property in Houston, and I was involved in the organization. But that was several years ago. But I tell you, the organization does a wonderful job, you know, Anyone who cares about children, anyone who cares about people that the world needs to pay attention to, that the world needs to respect and recognize and support and be there for them, is a friend of mine. And I tell you, they are doing terrific work. Obviously, they're not the only organization working with autistic kids, but that's something that's very close to my heart. And when I was involved with them, my schedule was extremely busy. But I said, this is one thing that I am going to find time for because it's important to me. And uh, so it's just talk about making a difference. Talk about doing work that's important. That is important work. And I love to be involved with such organizations. And I'm no longer involved because I'm no longer living in Houston. And obviously, I'm not able to attend the meetings. I'm you know, involved intricately. So, but, you know, it's a great organization. Yeah, I find a lot of similarities. You know, my son's 13 now and dealing with a lot of teachers. There's definitely this kind of... Um, there's a connection because people always say, what is it, what does it take to be in hospitality? Yes. You know, you're dealing with guests, you're dealing with people. And then, you know, I look at it from the viewpoint of the teachers and the aides and the people that take care of these kids. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's different, but it's similar because it's, it's this kind of caring and kind of, you know, just looking after uh, people in a different manner. But I, I just draw, I draw some similarities between the two. Absolutely. I think you did ask me if I was knowing hospitality, what would I be doing? I think, if I was now in hospitality, I'll be writing full time, but I also would be teaching. You know, I love that. And that's the reason why I sort of uh, did a pivot a couple of years ago into the educational side of, of hospitality with IHI. So I want to be able to give back. I want to be able to make a difference. And I think teaching is truly a noble profession. And I wanted to be able to do more of that. And that's the reason I went back to school to get my uh, doctorate degree, just wanted to be able to help and you know, share the little knowledge I've got with other people while also learning from them. That's awesome. That's great. So, so you mentioned you'd be a writer if, mm-hmm. if you weren't in hospitality. You mm-hmm. wrote the book, That Are Alive. Mm-hmm. Where did you get your inspiration for that? I'm a very imaginative guy. I think I've always got a very active <laughs> imagination. And I always look at different angles and, and, and analyzing things and, and connecting with people. And I'm fascinated by people's stories. So I, I tell you, my inspiration comes primarily from people. I'm the guy who's going to get in a cab or in an Uber with an Uber driver and essentially took the guy's head off or took the lady's head off. She would be sick of me. I would be shut up already. That's me. I'm not the guy who's going to be in the back of an Uber on my phone or pretending yeah. to fall asleep or not making eye contact. I'm the one who's going to chat with the guy and want to know about his kids, his, his wife, you know, a husband, a boyfriend, a family life, a school, a aspirations. I love to learn from people. And that feeds me. That's the oxygen that keeps me going. So I'm inspired by people that I meet on a daily basis. And I see people and I try to imagine their lives, what their lives might possibly be like. 
And, and when I write, all of that stuff comes out. So, so I've written fiction, I've written nonfiction, I've written poetry. My last book actually was uh, a book called Abraham Lincoln is Not Dead. And it's, it's a book of poetry that's, that's intensely personal in many ways. So I'm fascinated by people. I love people. I love to listen to them, to watch them, to talk to them. Uh, I think I'm a people watcher of sorts in a good way. And that inspires me when I decide to write uh, about people. And I think uh, Kirko's Reviews, which, as you know, is one of the two largest uh, book reviewers in the world. We've got Kirko's Reviews. We've got uh, Publishers Weekly. They reviewed Dirt on Life. I, I think in February of this year, they did a review of Dead or Alive, and I tell you, it was a very uh, favorable review. One of the things they talked about was the lead character of the book, and they described it as a superlative you know, character, as a character that just really they found to be a great character. And I, I, in reading the review, that's probably the one thing I liked the most, the fact that they talked about how the character was brilliantly realized. And uh, that I was happy about, because this was coming from an organization that's known or reviewing books. And if you know them very well, they're very tough with their reviews. And it was great to have them give uh, Dead or Alive such a favorable review and talk about the characterization in the book. Right. Did that character, did that, did you, did he, is he based off anybody or was that just somebody that you, you thought of? Yeah. It was actually someone I made of. There are actually two characters and now both that are really fascinating. Uh, you know, you've got one who's like the all American hero, just a great person who went to Vietnam, served his country, came back, made a couple of billions of dollars, you know, great looking, everyone loves him, right? That's the character. He finds mm -hmm. himself under pressure, he finds himself essentially running for his life. He finds his life in danger, right? And we all find ourselves pulling for him, rooting for him, because he's such a great guy, such a great human being, period, a great patriot, a great human being. And then you've got the detective who's investigating, who's involved in, in this book as well, we have mixed feelings about because he is a good guy as well. He's a great guy. He's very passionate about what he does, but his methods of achieving results are a little bit questionable. He doesn't mind essentially doing some things that he, you know, you would say he shouldn't do mm -hmm. in trying to get justice. You know, so that's you know, so people who read the book are conflicted about Detective Bond. His name is Detective Bond, and the lead character is Joe Savage. So people say, oh, we love Joe Savage. Detective Bone, we, we know what he's trying to get to. We're rooting for him, but the guy's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of bad. It's like, well, you know. <laughs> so you don't know what to make of him because as a cop who's doing a great job, and you know his heart is good. He's great. He's going to fight for the little guy. He's going to beat up the bad guy. But at times in beating up the bad guy, you think, uh, maybe you did it to punch him twice in the face, right? Maybe we didn't need to punch him in the nose and see him bleed, but that's Detective Bowen. So people are conflicted by his character, but you know that's what makes it a book. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, so now I'd like to learn a little bit more about kind of you know what your current role. You're currently the CEO at uh, St. Justine Hotel and and Resorts. How how is that going so far? It's going very well. I mean, St. Justin is really the genesis. It's really the origin of that. It's me looking to do, you know, come up with a brand, an mm -hmm. ultra luxury brand, an uber luxury brand that the world has not seen before. Something that takes it to a different level in terms of service excellence. You've got many brands out there that do a terrific job, and I don't need to name them. We know who they are. But what St. Justin is looking to do is something that's sort of ahead of his times, 
where we're looking to deliver service on a level that's absolutely sublime, where people are blown away. You come into a hotel or a residence and you are absolutely blown away. You say to yourself, oh my God, I have never, never seen such a service. Service that's intuitive, service that's customized, that's very personal, that's so in your face, that is so dramatically different from anything you've ever experienced. And you think, oh my God, they can't possibly be this good. And that's the origin behind that St. Justin. And St. Justin, really, someone said to me recently, what's the origin of the name? And I said to them, I told them the story of St. Justin. St. Justin was a young lady, a virgin, mm-hmm. who was asked to renounce her beliefs. She was a Christian. She was asked to renounce her beliefs uh, at, at, at the point of death. I mean, you have to renounce what you believe, and if you don't renounce what you believe, you're going to get killed. So you've got someone who was absolutely be- beautiful from all accounts, absolutely beautiful, young virgin girl, absolutely beautiful, tried to get her to renounce her beliefs. She refused to, and they said, if you don't do it, you're going to get killed. And she absolutely paid the ultimate price and was beheaded. Wow. So the point here is that she said just to represent beauty and represent consistency. Even in the face of storms, in the, even in the face of all travails and tribulations, consistency, not quitting, not backpedaling, not saying, okay, you know what? Okay, I'm going to not do that anymore because you, you're putting me under pressure. So we wanted a brand that was going to be not only delivering beautiful properties, but also delivering consistent service. There are so many brands out there that are great brands, beautiful properties, but at times, and you and I have been in some of these properties, they look very, very nice, but at times the service falls short. It's not consistent. You go to one location and it's great. You go to another location and it's not so great. We want properties that are incredibly beautiful, but are also consistent. So beauty and consistency, that's the origin of St. Justin. That's great. And, and when is the first property opening? We're actually looking to have four properties open in 2022. Now, the plan is to open initially with residences in 2022. And then our flagship property will open in January 2024. We'll actually be ready by December 2023, but will open in January 2024. And that's going to be the flagship St. Justin property. But initially in 2022, we're going to have four residences working on some acquisitions currently that will open in different parts of the world in 2022. And then in 2023, we're going to have additional residences open. Right now, 2023, we're looking at 10 residences in 2023, uh, four this year, between now and the end of the year. And then it, the, the flagship by St. Justin property will open uh, by January 2024, actually ready by December 2023, but opening by January 2024. And then there are other deals we currently are involved with, currently working on. That's great. How is how is St. Justine going to differ from other luxury hotels? I know you mentioned consistency yes. and ultra luxury. Anything specific that we're going to see in your properties that's going to yeah. that's going to kind of blow our socks off? Great question. I think we're going to really infuse technology into what we do on the level that a lot of entities are currently not doing. But technology, while the brand is going to be technology forward, is not going to take over the human interaction. We don't want to have in our properties. That's not our goal. We're going to deploy technology. It's going to be there. You're going to have all kinds of technology, you know, advanced technology involved in terms of the room product, in terms of the smart rooms, in terms of, you know, the bedding package you have, the entertainment experience you have, the the dining experience you have. All of that is going to be incorporated. What was essentially going to drive any sense just then is the human interaction. 
is a level that a team is willing to go to. You know, knowing your name, it's not just an expectation. We expect that all of our associates are going to know the names of our guests. That's a basic. That's not, you know, it's 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 perfunctory. I mean, that has to be in place. So that definitely will be there. So a lot of a lot of what we're going to do will be premised on service excellence, going above and beyond, doing what other brands have not done before. In terms of the product, obviously you're going to have the product. I can't tell you that we're going to have the product that no one else has, because that's going to, that would not be true. So you have a lot of great looking properties all over the world. In Asia, they've got magnificent properties. I mean, in the US, you know, also, uh, Middle East, you've got beautiful properties. The issue is not just having beautiful properties, it's having consistent service. And that's what I keep talking about. Beautiful properties anchored by consistent service delivery. So that's ultimate. I think service is going to be the great differentiator for a St. Justin property. You stay at a St. Justin property, you're going to have access to a private chef. You know, you want, you know, any demand that you could possibly want that can be fulfilled within the bounds of reason is going to be fulfilled. If you say, you know, I want a private helicopter to pick me up and take me to the golf course. If it's at all doable, we're going to arrange it for you. So your private chef, your private driver, your personal fitness trainer, you know, all of that is going to have your butler, you know, who is going to be at your beck and call. If you need any assistance, they're going to be there. You know, people talking about labor rights. If you want a private plane to come pick you up from your residence and fly into the property, we would arrange that. So we're going to go the distance. We're going to go to a place that a lot of people who are currently in, in the industry have no even imagined, not because they can't do it, but because they've not applied effort to do it. We would apply effort to do it. And if you look at the antecedents of people behind St. Justin, you can see exactly why service is such an integral focus of what we're doing. You've got uh, Mr. Oshuzi, who co-founded the Riscarton Hotel brand uh, on the board of St. Justin. You've got uh, Philly Boyan, former CEO of the Fox Travel Guide, You know, obviously someone who knows this stuff when it comes to loss of service on the board of St. Justin, you've got Francis Kerajan, who's one of the top uh, 10 most influential women in, you know, in people actually in global hospitality, uh, who runs uh, the Luxury Boutique Association, Logic Lifestyle Leaders Association, also part of St. Justin. You've got uh, Letitia Proctor, a senior vice president with Donohue Hospitality, who has been around for many years, doing some incredible things, also a board member. And last but not the least, you've got Andrea Belfanti, who's a, a CEO of ISHC, which is an international society of hospitality consultants, also a member of the board of, of St. Justin. So you're not going to find a board anywhere in our industry that's got such an aggregate of people who've got a vast experience in hospitality, especially luxury hospitality, on one board. Any of those people I mentioned alone is highly credible by themselves, just one of them. So these are people who know their stuff, who've done it for many years, who are incredibly humble even with all the experience that you've got, all part of St. Justin. So really honored to get to work with these ladies and gentlemen, and I learned from them and share the little knowledge I've got with uh, the other team members in, in uh, St. Justin. That's great. I, I have to ask the question because of my background, but is there a piece of technology that you're excited that you'll be using at, at, at these properties? Yeah, we're going to be using AI technology, a lot of smart technology, where you check into a hotel, you know, you have the, the mirror in the elevator, where you want to be able to access the elevator and facial recognition technology right. while accessing the elevator. That's one that we think is important. In the guest rooms, being able to access all of your devices, you know, have them all keyed in into the in, in alignment 
all of that, your bedding package, obviously, being able to adjust your bed however you want and have your pre-settings however you want, all of that. You come back to the room on another day, you know, if you like a particular room and you return to the room on a particular day, you walk in and you get welcome and say, Mr. Karen, uh, welcome back, you know, to send your stay in Aruba. We're so glad to have you here. You know, all of those things. And uh, we're going to tap fully into all of that. But again, it's going to be technology forward, Brian, but technology is only a part of what we do. Because I firmly believe, and I always say this, I say technology is a moving train. You can get in front of it or you can get inside of it. That's how I look at technology. So we want to use technology fully. But at the same time, great technology does not make great hotels. Great people make great hotels. And we never want to lose sight of that. So we hear people talking about, oh, I'm going to have all this. I'm going to have all that technology. What's often missing is a human piece. You know, I want to check into a hotel where I meet someone who's going to smile at me and say, good morning, good afternoon, uh, Jeffrey. How are you doing today? How is your trip from the airport? We're glad to have you back. If you need anything at all, reach out to me. This is my phone number. This is my extension. I shake my hand and make me feel good. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a robot. I'm not looking for a machine to talk to me. You know, if I wanted that, I can just talk to Siri. Yeah. Yeah, And I say to everyone, I think it's, you know, I ran hotels, was a front desk clerk. My, My biggest thing is what are on the screens now that these front desk agents don't even look at you, don't even like look up. You walk back and forth through the lobby and they have all these opportunities just to exactly what you said, make a little bit of a difference. How was your day, Mr. Malili? Or, yes. you know, oh, you know, anything, just a smile, just, you know, everything okay. Like that's just, a, that that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. And they're, they're fic- I was at a hotel in Miami and every time I went by the front desk, two agents and it was a, it was a, it was a brand. It was a nice hotel and just staring at the screen. That nothing. is so, so acceptable. You know, it breaks my heart when I hear about those things. Because I think of myself primarily as an evangelist for the industry, you know, yeah. service, I believe service. I mean, that's my passion. I love that. Now, I what you mentioned resonates with me because I went to a property in D.C. to give a speech several years ago. Lovely property, which is going to remain unnamed. Beautiful property, top-tier property, one of the best. And I get to this particular property, and I could barely get anyone to acknowledge me. I said, I'm wondering if I was invincible. Maybe they, they couldn't see me. Maybe I'm invincible. They don't see me. Maybe I'm just... Maybe I don't exist like six cents. The movie, the six cents. Yeah. Maybe I'm not really here. Maybe I'm dead. And I think yeah. I'm dead because, you know, why did, why, hey, hey you, do you see me? Hello? Hello? Yeah. And that was the experience. It was, it was weird because here I was in this lovely property, beautifully appointed, not cheap at all in terms of pricing. I could barely find anyone to make eye contact, let alone give me a warm, memorable, you know, welcome. So, You've got a lot of hotels there that have got the reputation, they've got the big name, but they don't deliver. And it's unfortunate. You've got many hotels that are doing incredible work, but it has to be consistency, right? A Big Mac has to be a Big Mac, right? It doesn't matter where you go to. And McDonald's gets it in that sense, right? I mean, when my kids go out and they get a Big Mac, it doesn't matter if they're getting it from Texas or from Florida or from Kentucky. It's going to be a Big Mac. And service for, for an eye industry needs to be consistent. You know, people need to at least get something. You know, if David checks into a hotel, he needs to be acknowledged. You know, good morning, Mr. Melili. Welcome back. We're glad to see you. Enjoy your stay. That's not so hard to do, right? I mean, it's not asking for too much. You go to a market like Miami, super expensive. It's actually one of the markets that we are looking at for St. Justin. And I tell you, Miami right now is the second most expensive real estate market in the U.S. There's a piece of land in Miami 
in, in, in uh, the Brico area that just sold for $350 million, just the land to build the property. Oh. So we are looking at Miami, but the values are absolutely insane. I mean, they really are. And then to check into a hotel in such a city like you, like you experienced, and spend all that money, and you can't even get someone to be kind to you. What does it take to be kind? What does it take to say hello to someone? Good morning. Welcome back. How's your day, Mr. Curran? That is not so difficult. <laughs> I don't think it is. Yeah. That's free. That's free yeah, right free. there. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, hey, Jeffrey, so switching kind of like your thoughts on the industry here, if I'm just starting out in hospitality, what's your advice for me? I love that. I think people, I've heard someone say, well, you can't really learn hospitality. It has to be a gift that you have and all of that. I differ. I don't agree with that. If I thought that you couldn't learn hospitality and get better at it, I would not be involved at IHI, the International Hospitality Institute. So we do a lot of training. We train people, you know, professionals and all kinds of things, you know, in terms of improving themselves and and upskilling and reskilling themselves. So to answer your question, for someone who's just getting into the industry, I would say, learn as much as you can. You can't possibly go wrong with knowledge. There's no such thing as having too much knowledge. Learn as much as you can and be prepared to learn from everyone. Don't say, you know what? You're not my manager. I don't have to listen to you. Are you not the jury manager? I don't have to take advice from you. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open and be humble and learn as much as you can. I think humble people always go very far. When you humble, people see that. I think at the end of the day, when we talk about service, we need to remember that service comes from to serve, you know? And service requires humility. You can't really succeed in our industry to a certain extent if you're not willing, willing to serve, if you're not willing to humble yourself. So I say be humble and be open to learning and always, always keep learning. Never stop learning. Great advice. Yeah, so we, we've covered a lot Um what hotels are doing wrong. Is there one thing you think as you travel that hotels should be doing differently? Is there one thing consistently that you kind of feel like, man, no matter what, everywhere I go, it's the same kind of mistake that that they're making? We've got hotels are doing really a great job overall. If you look at what's happened with, with uh, COVID-19, our industry took quite a beating, right? But the resiliency that the industry has showed, you're not going to find it in too many industries. You know, people in our industry they work hard. They don't quit. You know, you have a hotel that's open 24 hours, right? Round the clock, yeah. you know, three shifts every day. People are constantly working, putting in a great effort. So hotels, you know, they're resilient. They've done a really great job post-COVID. So what I have said makes me feel very good. Most hotels do great. You always have a few that you know, struggle a little bit where people are not always trained properly. I think training is very important. I think we need to do a better job with training. I think a lot of people who are in the front lines, some people who are in the front lines, we're not giving them their due. When we put them out there without giving them proper training, we're doing them a disservice, right? You put someone out there who's not fully trained, who's not well trained, they don't quite know what to do. The stronger we know in the system, the stronger we know how to interact with guests, and you put them out there to be your frontline person. And then they're nervous, they're not confident, you know, that's often a problem. So I think we need to do a better job, period, with training. And I don't think anyone is going to dispute that. I don't think what I'm saying is controversial by any means. We need to do a better job by training the people in our front lines and equipping them for success. If we don't do that, then we're hurting our business. So many hotel companies do a great job at it. I'm not going to mention names. Uh, for some other hotel companies, there are opportunities to improve. 
to train people properly before putting them out there. Because if you don't do that, ultimately, you're going to turn them over. They're going to leave. Because if you're confident in doing your job, you're going to stand there and smile. And anything that comes at you, you're going to be able to handle it. But if you're tentative and you don't really know what you're doing, you don't know what buttons to press, you don't know what you're supposed to say, you're standing there like a deer in headlights. And if you're just standing there like a deer in headlights, then you're going to give the wrong answers. You're going to, at times, tick people off, right? Because that's not what they want to hear. And it's going to go awry. So training is critically important. And IHI is glad, I'm very glad to be involved in IHI, providing training to the global hospitality industry, certifications, getting people who are just entering the industry, already are in the industry, prepared for a future that's really, you know, robust. Yeah, and I have to, I, I told this once on our very first episode, but I have to tell it again because you can appreciate it. So the same hotel in Miami, when I was checking out the guest, the clerk asked if I wanted an email confirmation. A friend had made the room for me through a connection. I, you know, I got a hookup yeah. and I said, do you have my email? And the front desk agent said, that's a great question. And we had this awkward stare at each other and he must not have known how to look up if my email was on my record. Wow. So he said, he says, I'm just going to, I'm going to write down your email. He goes, tell me what your email is. Wow. And I said, first name. And he wrote down first name. Oh my goodness. I said, last name. Oh my- he wrote down last oh name. Oh my goodness. And then I said, NYC at Gmail. And he actually wrote it. He wrote it out. Oh my! Goodness. And I never got my. I never got my receipt. Never got well, my confirmation. But, your receipt. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I can't. When you just talk about little things, the tree. He didn't know how to look up the email. I can't believe that. That reminds me of the joke about someone who called a tech support line and said, "You know, my computer won't start." And the person on the other end said, "You know, okay, all right, turn it on and press any key, any key." And she said, "Well, I don't see any key. <laughs> press any key. I don't see any key." Yeah. I don't see any key. I see Q U W. I don't see any key. That's kind of what that reminds me of. First name, last name, my Gmail. That's hilarious. So it's not training. You're absolutely right. It's yeah. not training. People are not trained properly. We put them out there. They're not fully trained, and then we wonder at times why they get frustrated and they leave. You know, again, many companies get the right idea. They're doing the right things. We've got a few companies that have opportunities to to improve. My, my guilty pleasure is cigars. So I like to have a cigar on okay. Sunday. And it's amazing because there's a kind of, a, here in Phoenix, it's a vapor cigar yes, shop. Yes. I've lived in this area or gone to that shop for three years. And no matter what employee is there, they are always polite. What are your plans for today? Wow. What do you got going on? Wow. You know, And it's just this consistent, and it's amazing because it's just this little you know, vape, vape, you know, cigar shop next to a supermarket. And you're thinking like they can get it right, but I'm buying a, you know, a $15 cigar and I'm getting better service than spending $1,500 a couple nights at a hotel. It's, so. it's all about training. And I think it will really, companies will really do themselves a great deal of favor by really focusing on training and training people on a daily basis. And it cannot be training as a data dump. You can't throw right. a Bible offense at people and expect them to memorize all of that information. You know, just training people incrementally, consistently makes all the difference. Yeah. So it might, might be this, but so right now you, you look at a platform like LinkedIn, there's a lot going on about, you know, COVID, mask, labor shortage. What do you think that we're not talking about in hospitality enough on a platform like LinkedIn? I mean, it could be the training, but is there something that you think that like, you may, you're like, why isn't, you're thinking, why isn't somebody posting about this? Yeah. I think we need to do a better job of recognizing people. 
I think it's so important, you know, recognizing people is so critically important. You know, it takes us back. My point takes us back to Abraham, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like, which we all studied in college. Once you get past the food, shelter, uh, and, and all of that clothing, people want to be recognized. People want to be made to feel good. Ultimately, it's so important, especially in the fast-moving society that we live in, right? Everyone who comes in, into your hotel, if you work in a hotel, needs to be made to feel that they are a superstar. Not a star, but a superstar. We're so happy to see you. Hey, can I get that for you? Can I get you some coffee? Can I get you a drink? You know, you know, where, where, where are your dinner plans for tonight? You know, have you been to the area before? Here, let me show you a map. You know, check out some restaurants. Yeah. Let me, you know, we need to make people feel like a million bucks when they come into our properties. It doesn't matter if we're having a good day or a bad day. So, and then the people working in those hotels, we need to make them feel like a million bucks. Because you've got folks who are on the front lines working every day in an operation that's 24 hours. And some of them yeah. make okay money. And some of them don't make that great yeah. wages, right? They don't. Some do make decent wages. And some, you know, they're not becoming millionaires, right? From working at the front desk or cleaning rooms or, or, or you know, serving food, right? I don't know of any person who's became a millionaire because I worked at the front desk or I was serving food. You know, I, I, you know, I was busting tables and I, you know, I saved you know, $1 million in my 401k. You're not going to find that for the most part. We are not saying that people need to be paid a million dollars to, to, to bust tables. That's not the point, right? Because economics, right, uh, economics involved in all of that. We get that. But we need to recognize the heck out of people. There is no good deed that's done that we should not recognize. recognize. We should shout every good deed from the rooftop. We should recognize people. We should make them feel good about what they do. I mean, I remember I used to run a property in Houston years and years ago, and I tell you, one of the things I love to do when any of my team members received an accolade from a guest, either a coming card that was favorable or was mentioned in Medallia, you know, the, the guest service tracking system, right. or, you know, TripAdvisor, I took my management team I went over to that team member, just walked up to them, and without saying anything, we started clapping for them. <laughs> you know, people would turn red. People would like, oh, my God. And, you know, yeah. and other guests yeah. would see this happening, and people love that. It was awkward. It was embarrassing as heck, but they loved it. We need to take time to recognize people, people who are in our industry. We, we can possibly not recognize them too much. So we need to recognize them. And every day, we need to start every day as leaders running hotels, with a pepperoni type deal, right? Yeah. Every morning you get everyone together, you know, five minutes, hey, you know, gets everyone all pumped up. It's like a football team, a football coach is about yeah. to, in the locker room with the team members, with the football team members, and getting everyone all fired up. Every day we need to do that. And we don't need to only do that pep rally or order once a day. We need to do it before every shift. You do it for the yeah. morning shift. You get your your team members all pumped up and they go out there and deliver great, great results. Then the afternoon shift comes in and you do the same thing. And the night shift, now you do the same thing. People need that recognition. They need to be recognized. You need to thank them. Thank you for your work. We don't have to give them an award. We don't have to pin a medal to their jacket, but we need right. to show that we appreciate <laughs> their effort. And that's only going to make them work a little bit harder. Absolutely. And, and then kind of one question into the future here. Well, not I guess not quite too far into the future, but how, how do you think the metaverse is going to affect hospitality? I think it's something that we need to pay attention to. You've got a couple of, uh, a couple of companies already that have hotels, right, in, in the metaverse that are yeah. coming up with that. I haven't you know, explored that for myself. I haven't explored it for uh, St. Justin or something, not for IH. I haven't done any of that. But I think it's here to stay. I think 
some of some folks who are not very familiar with the workings of of all of that, right? The virtual worlds and things that they're not used to, that they don't deal with on a daily basis. Some at times are quick to be dismissive. There were people who thought that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat were just a fad or a fluke. Oh, that stuff is going to be gone in a day. Well, here we are, right? Twitter yeah. just got sold for, I don't know, 44 million, billion, I mean, billion dollars or whatever. You know, look yeah. at Facebook. I remember when Facebook came out and it went uh, public, you know, there were many who were skeptical. Frankly, I was skeptical back then. I'm going to admit it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I said, yeah. oh, Facebook, who's going to use that? I remember having a conversation with someone about YouTube. I said, who's going to be posting videos on their website? I mean, really? YouTube, what's that about? Now, here we are, right? <laughs> yeah. We cannot be Luddites. Again, technology is like a moving train. You can get in front of it or you can get inside of it. And I think in the hospitality space, we need to maximize the use of the metaverse. We need to look at virtual reality. We need to look at any technology that we can possibly deploy to advance our industry. Other industries are looking at it, so why wouldn't we look at it? So I think the metaverse is going to play a big role. You've got a lot of conversations now about you know, uh, tokenization that's going on, right? There's a lot of that happening right. and, and you know, NFTs and all of that. It's an area I think is here to stay. And people who don't know that, they're going to find out much of their chagrin in, 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 you know, in a couple, in a few years from now that they were the ones missing the point that that stuff is not going anywhere. It's like Bitcoin. Bitcoin came out and I said, oh, Bitcoin, oh, come on. I'm not spending my money on that. <laughs> now you've got people made millions and billions from Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, it goes up and it goes down, but look at it. I mean, back in 2013, I mean, Bitcoin, no one, you know, people were not fooling around with Bitcoin. They were not, right? And now here we are. Yeah. So... I think the metaverse has a huge role to play and it's going to play that role. I think uh, people in hospitality need to wake up to that. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be here to stay. Yeah, we have to get ahead of it. We're going to have a, probably in next month uh, a good friend of mine, Michael Cohen, who's a really kind of a, he's with Yugo Virtual and he's kind of a VR mm -hmm. kind of metaverse mm -hmm. expert. Mm -hmm. So I try to read his stuff and the articles he's posting on LinkedIn mm -hmm. because I, I, I'll be the first to admit, I, I kind of get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> um, so I need to learn and educate myself. And like you said, I think that in the past, that's some of the, you try to learn from some of those mistakes when, you know, you said, oh, well, how would Facebook ever help my hotel? Or how would Instagram ever help my hotel? And then you're behind and then it's too late. And the ones, the early adapters and the ones who educate themselves kind of, you know, prevail and get ahead. So true. true. People are listening because you're a guy who's going technology background. And if you were sitting here saying, listen, I need to educate myself. There's a lot I need to learn about the metaverse. That's humility. That's what I'm talking about. Knowing oh, yeah, that yeah. there's a lot we don't know. We have to always stay curious. There's a lot we don't know. But there are people who are going to say, oh, I'm a technology guy. I know all of that. But here you are. You're a technology guy. You've run technology companies. And you know that there's a lot you still need to learn about this new world that we're all exploring. That's humility. And that's the attitude, I think. We all need to have. And I think at times we we don't uh, realize that. So thanks for saying that. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> humble. I try to surround myself with people that are smarter than me, that that I let them do. You know, as you talked about Steve Jobs earlier, I mean, that's my mantra is I hire, I hire smart people to tell me what to do. I don't hire smart people for me to tell them what to so do. So true. Because then why did you hire them? It's it doesn't true. make any sense. Yeah, I mean, this course is a great example of Steve and David. You know, I took the call. Our call was going to be for a certain time. I had the time wrong. And I, I was on the call sitting there waiting. And I said, 
There's no one here. There's no one here. And then when it's I scam. emailed Steve, I said, oh, it was my mistake. I was the one who screwed up. I was the one who had the wrong time. It wasn't you. I owe you an apology. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me an apology. I messed you're up. Good. You? I could have figured out. I, yeah, I Steve, John, and I, we were we were all freaking out. We're all like, no. but, and then I have it worse because I'm in Phoenix, uh-huh. and so we don't do daylight savings yeah. here. So half of the year, I'm on Pacific. Oh, wow. So I'm on LA time, oh, and wow. I'm three hours behind New York, and then half of the year, I'm an hour ahead of LA, That's- California, and I'm two hours behind New York. My goodness. And so it always, you know, and I've, I've been here four years, but it's still, it's to try to I'm just- still not getting used to it. <laughs> but anyway. But no, we really we we appreciate you. We're glad you were able Thank to you. accommodate right. you know with the right time. And um, you know, before we we finish up, that was our our last question. Is there anything that you want to tell us about that's up and coming? Anything you want to plug? Go away. Give us some some things that are happening with you that we can uh, share with the audience. Thank you. We've got several things going on, and uh, obviously, I talked a bit about Saint Justine and all the plans we've got. You're going to be hearing some uh, announcements in the next. Uh, you know, a few months about, you know, new developments with St. Justin. So really excited about that and all that's happening there. On the IHI side, you know, we have a lot of things always happening on the IHI side. We recently concluded uh, the Global Hospitality Awards, which is quite a big deal in the industry, recognizing, you know, people from all over the globe who are doing great work in the hospitality space. So we've got some other things coming up in IHI, you know, so several more courses being rolled out, certification programs, partnerships with different entities and different parts of the world that, that we've got happening. And uh, one thing that's going to be happening that I'm really excited about, you're going to see a, cost- a global customer service index type deal that's going to recognize companies that are the best performers in delivering hospitality globally. You're going to be saying that. So you're talking about restaurants, hotels, hospitals, entities that provide service that have that one-on-one interaction with, with uh, their clientele. We're going to have that global index that's going to track companies by hospitality, customer service, excellent. So you're going to see that. So we're currently working on that. It's a pretty massive project because it's not only the U.S. is global and you've got a ton of companies that have been uh, uh, looked at. So it's a pretty big, big deal that we, we're working on. It's going to take... Uh, several months, but it's currently being worked on. So I'm excited about that. You know, my passion again is uh, service and I see myself as a service evangelist and anything that recognizes people who are doing great work, being kind to others and, and spreading the spirit of hospitality, lighting the touch of hospitality that touches my heart. So I'm very passionate about all of that. Thanks for coming on. I, I love the passion that's coming through and like just the, the positivity, like I'm having a better day after this podcast. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. So <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, yeah, Jeffrey. It was, it was, this was, this was awesome. You are very yeah, we kind. We hope to, hope to see you in person sometime soon. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, you taking the time and that wraps up our episode of the modern hotelier presented by stay flexi. And again, Jeffrey, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And, uh, everyone be safe. Thank you, David. You're very kind. Steve. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Jeffrey. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.